0: I don't even know what to say anymore. I really don't. I'm kind of perplexed all about uh, this—the whole podcast uh, scenario that's going on. Everybody want to start a podcast? Don't even know what to talk about. Podcast here, podcast. Just stop it, please. There's only one podcast that y'all should be listening to, and that's my main man, Josh Petrie, right here on the Sports Nerd Podcast.
1: And now your host, my daddy Josh (laughs) Petrie.
2: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Sports Nurse Podcast, Episode 6. Got a big, big show lined up for you guys today. We're going to have two guests. Uh, As you guys know, I had the privilege of going up, covering the Pitt-Louisville game on Sunday. And uh, Pitt basketball is struggling a little bit right now, especially in ACC play. So my first guest is going to be Harry Pesares. He's a contributor to PittsburghSportsNow.com, as well as a member of the Football and Basketball Writers Association of America. Also known as the Pitt Guru, and he's agreed to be my Pitt insider, my go-to guy from here on out. So we'll get to him a little bit later in the program. My second guest will be Scott Grayson, Philadelphia Eagles beat reporter at ninety-seven point three ESPN Radio and co-host of Mountaineer Game Day. I'm sure this guy's on cloud nine right now with the Philadelphia Eagles winning their first ever championship. And I got a couple questions to ask him. You know, I want to know what the Eagles are going to do with the running back position, whether they will, uh, you know, kind of test the free agent market or kind of stick with the plethora of running backs they have. And I want to talk to him a little bit about foals, but uh, I won't hear a whole lot from me today. I'm going to talk a little NBA trade trade deadline, and I'll tell you about. Uh, my trip to Pitt on Sunday. So we got a big, big show, so let's get to it. All right, so I made my way up good old I-79 from Charleston, Pittsburgh, to the Louisville game on Sunday. Love going to Pittsburgh. Absolutely great place to see a basketball game. If you get a chance, you should check it out. The Pete is an awesome place to experience a basketball game. I would tell anybody that, even though I am from West Virginia. I just I don't feel that hate for the Pitt program that a lot of people do, especially, you know, now the, these kids and have nothing to do with some things that happened earlier in the backyard brawl. So you should put that hate aside and actually go check out a game. It's a great place. As far as the game itself goes, Pitt riding a 12-game losing streak over in the ACC. Uh, Pitt basketball is not used to losing this much this often, you know, I believe. And like I said, I'll get to the game itself here in a little bit. But after the game, a lot of people call him for Kevin Stallings' head. Kevin Stallings, as you know, came in after the untimely departure of Jamie Dixon going to TCU. Was it the right hire for this program? A lot of people think that it wasn't. They thought it wasn't a good fit. They thought they, you know, they might go in another direction. Do I think it was a good hire? Probably not, but I also think it's unfair to call for his head right now after two years. Uh, I think you should wait another year, but if they Pitt loses to Boston College tonight, then you may see him jump, gun, jump the gun and make a move. Uh, so, you know, I want to bring Harry on here in a little bit also to talk about how the players feel about Kevin Stallings. Kevin Stallings could be a difficult guy. Uh, anybody around him knows that, but as far as the game itself goes. Pitt started out with an 11-7 lead. They went 3-4 from three-point field goals. After that, the bottom absolutely fell out. They missed 13 of their next three-point field goals, and they went upwards of 12 minutes without a basket at all. On the, you know During this time, Louisville went on a 31-6 run and, and never looked back. If you know about Louisville, you know the Patino debacle and things like that. But also one thing with this program is they're always going to be Longer, leaner, and more athletic than most teams they play, but this is the ACC play. So you wondered if Pitt would make some adjustments at home after being blew out by this team earlier in the season. But you know, is it the freshman wall that Kevin Stalling speaks of? To me, it may be. Maybe these players need a couple more years to for the game to slow down for them a little bit, for them to develop their uh, their footwork and their fundamentals. But you want to see guys like like Brown being 6'10" get down and bang underneath, but you know, maybe it, is, maybe it is a freshman wall. Uh, there's also questions asked of whether this team is ACC caliber talent from top to bottom. You know, I heard a lot of that after the game. So it's interesting what's going on in the, in the pit program right now. So I want to bring Harry in and, and try to dig in and figure out, you know, what, what's going on with the pit program. All right, my first guest this week on the Sports Nurse Podcast is Harry Paceras, contributor to PittSportsNow.com as well as a member of the Football and Basketball Writers Association of America, and also known as the Pit Guru. And this guy is also, uh, you know, we, he's agreed to be my Pit insider. He's going to be my go-to guy, so I appreciate that. So, Harry, what's going on, man?
1: Not too much, man. It's uh, great to be on for the first time, and I'm ready to roll.
2: you got a pretty, yeah, pretty impressive resume. You know, I went down the list and was searching for some names and some guys to, to kind of hook up with and talk some Pit athletics about, and, uh, you, you know, you stood out. you got a pretty impressive resume. Can you tell me a little bit about the – pittsportsnow.com and, you know, a little bit about your background?
1: In terms of myself, uh, I joke around with people in Pittsburgh. I call myself an OG and original gangster. I, uh, I started, well, I, I grew up with a family of recruit Knicks. Uh, believe it or not, I come from a family of uh, West Virginia Mountaineers, and they got me heavily into recruiting, and I launched a website called the Pitt Guru's Panther page. And as far as I know, and if you talk to anybody in Pittsburgh, it's the first Pitt recruiting site that was ever out there. Uh, once Pitt realized uh, how much traffic was coming through, they made me change my name right around my wedding date. And uh, I started the sites for Rivals.com, jumped on, helped publish the Scout.com site, which is now defunct. But uh, I've been at this now, she's well over 15 years, and I, I feel like I'm a pretty established name in terms of the, uh, the Pitt sports scene. And uh, I just love it. Recruiting's my forte, I just love it. And uh, I jumped on with uh, Mike can who was formerly with KDKA up here in uh, Pittsburgh, and uh, we launched uh, Pittsburgh Sports now, and uh, our niche is uh, pretty incredible. We cover uh, a tremendous amount uh, in terms of content, in terms of football, basketball, wrestling, you name the sport, it's covered recruiting extensively, and uh, it's all done for free. All the content is free. We bring on advertisers, and uh, the site's grown exponentially now over uh, two years, and like I said, you can look up uh, look us up at Pittsburgh Sports Now, Pgh Sports Now, um, at Pgh Sports Now on Twitter, and uh, I'm at Pitt Guru.
2: All right, man, I appreciate it so much. I appreciate you calling in and being my pit insider. Uh, as you know, Pittsburgh played Louisville on Sunday, and I, you know, I had the privilege to go up. I try to make it up to two or three games a year. You know, I, I'm not going to pretend like I'm really, really close to the program, I, I, you know, as you are, but I do try to make it up two or three times a year to cover those games. But you know, even without a basketball IQ. As far as Sunday's game goes, you, you know there's something to that. And as the game went itself, obviously Louisville won 94-60, to and Pitt just got beat in every aspect of the game. Played a little better, better in the second half. But, uh, you know, after the game you heard a lot of chatter and things like that, especially on Kevin Stallings' end. Uh, Kevin Stallings making the comment that he just thinks, you know, Pitt has the fifth youngest team in the country, and he just thinks that this team maybe hit a freshman wall. And I just wanted your take on that because, to me, watching Kevin Stallings body language and things during the game like i don't know if he's he's dialed in this season i heard a lot of chatter saying that he may not be a good fit and maybe they're calling for his head right now i don't think that's you know i, I don't think that's fair after 2 or 3 years of being a coach there but uh, what do you think about Kevin Stallings and do you think the program is headed in the right direction
1: well it, it, let, let me go back um, since it's my first time off, and I think it's critical here. You go back, and and first of all, you know I think it's uh, I think most Pitt fans realize Jamie Dixon was the, the winningest Pitt basketball coach in in the program's history. Um, but when we jumped, when Pitt jumped to the ACC, um, things changed significantly. And I know that there was trepidation, paranoia on Dixon's part about going to the ACC, and um, all this is, is the success we had start really coming off the rails um uh, dixon found it extraordinarily difficult to recruit uh to the acc where in the big east new york philadelphia dc we had certain hotbeds that pitt would go to to bring in talent um he was struggling and many of the assistants that he brought in weren't quite frankly producing so what's important to remember is when you know at the time when they were considering going to stallings the program really had stagnated now when i say that uh, Dixon was still winning 19 to 20 victories a year, but it was a given that if Pitt was in the tournament, they were an easy out. Um, rarely did they get past the first round. Um, where the animus and all the craziness and all the venom uh, towards Stallings really started was uh, or the uh, former athletic director uh, was Scott Barnes at Pitt. And Barnes, um, former boss at the University of Washington, was a guy by the name of Todd Turner, and he ran a search firm called College Sports Associates. So from a pit perspective, Panther Nation, they thought, well, Jamie's out the door. They wanted young. They wanted aggressive. They wanted a new, fresh face. And it was an odd search in that very few names emerged. Usually something would come up. And out of the blue, Kevin Stallings' name came up. And I, I will tell you the, the vitriol, the blowback from the fans was, was significant. And a lot of people start, start basically linking up Stallings with Todd Turner, who was part of the search firm, and really felt that there was never a proper search conducted. So the best way I could relate this, if anybody's followed football this year, Greg Schiano was hired at the University of Tennessee, and all heck broke loose. There was such a backlash on Twitter that their athletic director, right or wrong, had to go back and actually tell Shiano that he was no longer coming in as head coach. Well, imagine that scenario, but they're bringing the coach in. So Stallings has come in under this dark cloud of infamy ever since he was hired. Um, If you go back to the initial press conference, um, it it was exceptionally ugly. Um, Usually press conferences are upbeat. The coach is allowed to kind of ingratiate himself and introduce himself. Um, literally the first question from one of the uh, Pittsburgh media was come clean because there was such venom towards the search, uh, such trepidation, people wondering why there weren't other candidates involved. So Stallings from the get-go, unfortunately, and really not not really his fault, um, has walked into a very, very ugly situation, and it's been hard for him to win uh, back really a lot of the fan base. Um, He walked into a situation as well where there were basically four seniors, or I should say three seniors, four seniors, excuse me, um, Ryan Luther, who was a junior, and a large group of players that never belonged in the ACC that Jamie Dixon brought in. Um, And the two players that he had to rely on were Mike Young and Jamel Artis last year, and they were players that were far far more concerned about padding their NBA resume as opposed to playing like proper teammates. They were considered senior leaders, yet they were suspended multiple times. So um, Stallings, who's already basically known for his temper, would butt heads with them quite a bit. It turned out to be a a mediocre 16 and 17 season. Um, It got very ugly. And I think what the staff felt is that they simply had to start from the ground up. And they had two options either go and bring in a slew of junior college players and add some freshmen to it, or go predominantly freshmen with maybe one or two junior college players, and that's the route they decided to go. Um, All that being said, you you saw what's happened this season when they hit the ACC. They have yet to win a game. Um, They're athletically and physically overmatched. And to your point, I think what's happening, especially in some of these more recent games, freshmen tend to hit a wall. Um, when you have seven freshmen on the team, you know you're looking at players that are simply worn down both mentally and physically. So um it it wasn't a team built for a tremendous amount of wins in the ACC, and unfortunately, they have seen none. So you combine win, you know them uh, excuse me, combine Pitt going winless in the ACC. you combine the vitriol that's almost constantly there with Stallings. And uh, Pitt's athletic director, you know, is in for a big decision. Now, you brought up an excellent point. Um, they've only been there two years. Um, they're, the This is year one of the rebuild with seven freshmen. And many of those freshmen, and I'm talking about Marcus Carr, Shamil Stevenson, Cam Davis, Terrell Brown, are better freshmen than anyone Jamie Dixon brought in in the ACC. So... You know, I, I'm not Heather Light, Pitt's athletic director. I have no clue what move she's gonna make. What she's gonna have to weigh is the potential for the team next year. And there are several players. There's Malik Ellison that'll be available next year. There was a transfer from St. John's. Many say he's the best player on the team. They're bringing in a top 150 um, forward and uh, excuse me, in uh, Bryce Golden out of Pennsylvania. He's a big power forward. They're bringing in some pieces that may help them, plus a year of maturity. But you also have, they're averaging around 4,000 right now in attendance at the Peterson Event Center, where not that long ago they are averaging 10,000. So, you know, it's it's a tough decision. Um, It hasn't been the best fit with Stallings on board. Uh, But what I can tell you from my perspective, um, dealing with the staff, they do care about the program. You have tremendous assistance in Dan Cage, uh, Kevin Sutton, working really hard. Um it's going to be a matter I think, at this point of dollars and cents um, you know are they are they losing money to the degree where they should terminate him next year on um, the flip side, do you want to see this team develop one more year see what going happen plus you have a ten million dollar buyout for stalling, so there's a lot of big decisions ahead
2: right, and see that leads me to my next question as far as you know I, I don't I don't agree with with calling for stalling's head right now after I think it's been two years you know I don't think that's fair but and like you said, maybe after next year, maybe you make a move. But at the same time, is this roster from top to bottom fit for ACC play with the, the players right now? Because, you know, I heard a lot of that, too, that they feel like outside of Stevenson and Carr and Brown, this roster is not fit for ACC play. So tell me your thoughts about that.
1: It's, it's a great question. Um, I, I think there are four or five, and I, I should have been included Parker Stewart, I think who, who, who'll be, who really will be an exceptional player down the line. The core group that was brought in, I see that core group in my eyes, is Stevenson Carr, you know, Davis, Stewart, and, and Terrell Brown, I believe are uh, capable of, of playing at a higher level eventually in the ACC. Um, so I do think, you know, there's justification to take a second look at them next year. And that's assuming, and I'm assuming they will, all come back next year. Um, you know, there, and, and not to mention, it, it should be, you know, we should add that Ryan Luther, who was really the best player on the team and the lone senior, along with um, uh, Jonathan Milligan, who's just a, 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 a backup, um, Ryan Luther will be back next year as well. And, and that's a key piece that's missing this year. Um you know, many things have hurt the team this year. One is there is no inside presence.
2: See, and that's it, That's exactly you know, what I wanted to talk to you about. Because, you know, at this game, that's the main thing that stood out was, you know, getting the ball in the paint and not doing anything with it. They wanted to kick it back out, and they settled for contested threes. And it seemed like when they got down a little bit to Louisville after, the, you know, they started three or four from three and I think went on to miss miss their next 13. But it's like they started to panic a little bit, but – do you see improvement with Brown and those guys on the inside going forward?
1: Uh, you know, do I see development? Do I see them getting better next year? Absolutely. This year I, I feel for, you know, and I, I'll say this too, even like Kenny Chukwuma, um, the kid plays his heart out. You know, I, I think what you see is your typical team, and your, I'll go back to your typical Dixon years, the only freshman I've ever seen step in and dominate was DeWan Blair. Um, typically right, right. It takes a, a few years for a player to develop, and by the end of their sophomore year, they start to flourish. Well, well these players haven't had that luxury. Uh, Peace Ilagoma, who they have, can run the floor like a deer. He's nearly seven foot. But Peace probably needs a good solid two years before he can perform. So potential, yes, absolutely. I see it in Brown. Brown has an, an ACC ability, an ACC body. But right now, uh, they're worn out. Uh, you could see the lack of confidence, and they're simply getting out muscle. You know, another year in the weight room, another year experience, we're going to have to see what happens. But I, I don't see anything in particular out of Brown and even, even Kenny, Chuck Wuma, that tells me that they can't compete in time in the ACC. But right now, I mean, they've just been thrown out. You know, it looks like children playing amongst men at this point. And, you know, there's nothing you could do, And and, and in hindsight, Uh, Instead of bringing in, you know, um, maybe uh, seven freshmen, maybe they could have sacrificed one scholarship and brought in an experienced Juco center to go along with, like, Jared Wilson frame and Ryan Luther. That might have helped quite a bit. Um, The one miss I go back to, and this is a good example of what happened with Jamie Dixon, uh, WVU has uh, Sagaba Conate. I'm probably mispronouncing his name. Um, But their physical young center Jamie had him ready to commit. I actually sat right next to the kid when he came with his family for one of the official visits. Uh, for some reason, Jamie opted to go with Corey Madigot, a player that was a freshman last year. Madigot gained weight during the season, could barely, could barely um, grasp the ball when they threw it to him, and it was essentially a bust. He went to a junior college. Had he opted to go with Conate, you know, that's the type of player this year that really could have brought this team an elevated level of play, and possibly they could have stole two or three games. They don't have that player. So right now you have a bunch of young, thin, and experienced centers that could get better in time, and I think a few will, but it's this season, unfortunately, it's just been painful to watch them play.
2: Right, and do you think Kevin Stallings is having trouble right now keeping this team engaged? Because... For the most part, Pitt, the program is not used to losing like this. But do you think he's having any kind of issue keeping them engaged? And do you think they have his back?
1: The team has his back. Um, I have interviewed every single player on that roster. The one thing I will tell you about the seven they brought in, especially the freshmen, including Jared Wilson, Frame. These are very high character. They're very, very high character young men. Uh, I was impressed with each and every one of them. Uh, In fact, um, I got a chance to talk to Chauncey Phillips, who is almost like a mentor to Cameron Davis and was blown away with what he had to say about the young man. I think this team is sticking together. Um, I I do think they have their coaches back. I think what's happening is two things. A, I think they've hit the wall. The ACC, it's it's a rigorous style of play. You're playing tremendous teams night in and night out. And losing by anywhere from 20 to 40 points is is taking a, a significant toll. So uh, what I like about the team is it looks at least they're attempting to uh, – you see a little more energy than you did last year, where the team last year simply quit on stallings. You're not seeing it this year, but what you're seeing is a team that is mentally and physically drained, and I can't fathom what's going to happen the final five games. Um, You know, in in terms of stallings, the other thing he's having to deal with, I can't put into context the sheer tidal wave of negativity – that he is hit with on a regular basis, the staff is hit with, and the team is hit with. In fact, I, I just read an article, uh, one of the players mentioned they're even starting to hear some negativity from other um, students on campus. Uh, so they're having to deal with this tidal wa- wave of negativity. I know personally that when I tweet something positive about the team, um, I expect anywhere from ten to twenty negative responses immediately within the next five minutes on Twitter. It just comes right out. Right. Um, absolutely. If we tweet anything about a recruit, um, the recruit is almost directly tweeted by a multitude of pitch fans with something negative to say, which never helps the recruiting process. Right. So he's having to shield these these players from just overwhelming amounts of negativity as well.
2: Right. And finally, during this game itself. Uh, I'm sure you kept a close eye on the game. But there was, there was a lot of times, you know, I didn't see – that's why I ask about, you know, whether he's keeping these players engaged because I didn't see a whole lot of effort at times and things like that. But yet, at the same time, in the second half, they played better. I think the score was 49-40 to 40 in the second half. So that, that's what led me to the question of keeping their engagement and things like that and as far as if they have Stallings back. Yeah, you,
1: you know um – um, a lot of these games it's it's interesting i i will say this it seems like groundhog day they'll hit a bunch of threes and they'll be in the game in the beginning for a period of time then there is a significant lapse of scoring in fact i, I that last game i think it went on for almost 10 minutes which was hard to believe um and then you know usually there's a flourish in the second half and and they get bested at the end i mean it's almost like a repeat scenario every single time um And uh, I I don't know, I I, I hate to say that there's no effort. Again, I I think at this point, um, you know, especially in the second half of a lot of these games, I think this team is mentally and physically exhausted. You know, this is the first year for, when you think about it, three-fourths of that team. It's the first year in the ACC and playing an ACC schedule. And I think that's why, for a while, even against teams like WVU and a few others, you saw some closer games. Um, you're just not seeing it at this stage of the the season. I mean, they play Boston College tonight. Uh, A few fans think there's a chance they'll win. We'll see. But um, I I do, I think the fatigue is is really hitting home at this point, and uh, it's going to be difficult for them to win a game the rest of the season.
2: All right. Well, Harry, I really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you agreeing to be my my go-to guy as far as Pitt athletics go. And, you know, a lot of people around W and around Morgantown, and things like that, you know how they feel about Pitt. But I tell people all the time, the Peterson, you know, that, that's a great place to see a basketball game. I mean, it really is, you know, one of the better ones I've been to. It's just a great place to go. But, uh, you know, I appreciate so much you coming on. I look forward to talking to you again soon.
1: Absolutely. Have me on any
2: time. You take care. Thank you. You too. Okay, time for the NBA portion of the podcast. Still working on those segues. Want to, you know, like I said, working on a couple of funny things to get us uh, to transi- transition more efficiently from segment to segment. So I hope to have those in the next couple of weeks. As far as the NBA trade deadline goes itself, just when you thought I could go a week and not talk Cavs basketball, who makes the biggest spa- biggest splash at the trade deadline? Cleveland Cavaliers. I mentioned that I knew they would be sellers at the trade deadline, but no. if you, see, if you said you've seen this coming, you're lying. Uh, nobody's seen this coming. You knew they would move guys like Shump and uh, Channing Frye, but you who thought we, w- we would move Dwayne Wade and Derrick Rose? You always knew that LeBron would bring over Carmelo Anthony or Dwayne Wade, you know, one of his best friends. You knew it would happen. But like Dwayne Wade said, sometimes it just doesn't work. And we absolutely seen that with this team. This team just did not mesh. Uh, I love Isaiah Thomas, but he wasn't a good fit at all, and yet he feels slapped in the face that he got moved. But the best thing for Isaiah Thomas to do is just keep his mouth shut and play ball. Uh, Isaiah Thomas is not happy unless – you know it's his team Sacramento was his team Boston was his team and Cleveland obviously wasn't his team and I don't even think LA is going to be his team so we'll see how he works out there but you just didn't see this coming uh Jordan Clarkson you heard his name mentioned last year coming over finally made it over Uh, Larry Nance you know as a Cavs fan you knew that his dad played there he made the comment before the season that he wanted to write his own destiny he didn't want to you know, walking his dad's footsteps, following his dad's footsteps, but it's kind of refreshing to see him in a Cavs uniform. Still missing that big guy. Nance is a big guy, yes, but I thought for sure we weren't allowed to trade the, uh, the first pick until after the trade deadline, yet I thought we would still move Tristan Thompson, J.R. Smith, to bring in DeAndre Jordan, but that's not going to happen because LeBron is, you know, the team is playing rejuvenated. He's absolutely ecstatic with these teammates right now. Uh, they're learning on the fly. They're flying around the ball, and he is absolutely happy and, First of all, LeBron, like I said a thousand times, LeBron is not leaving Cleveland. It would tarnish LeBron's legacy if he left now. That's not gonna happen. Uh, they would absolutely torch LeBron's house or any belongings. You know, he may left he may leave behind if he did leave, but it's not happening. So we don't even have to talk about that. Uh, George Hill, I mentioned that we would probably get him. George Hill plays 0 D. Uh, you seen last night against Oklahoma State, still having trouble with the big guys like Stephen Adams, still having trouble rebounding the ball and things like that, whether size. Kevin Love being 6'10". Kevin Love is not a banger. Said this a thousand times. You know, do I think this team... Yeah, they might have fun and fly around and be rejuvenated. And LeBron gets what LeBron wants for LeBron to stay in Cleveland. But is it enough to to beat uh, the Houston Rockets or the Golden State Warriors right now as the team stands? Still don't think so. Uh, So maybe some of you guys can leave me some comments or things like that and tell me if you do think this team is enough to get over the hump and get another finals championship. But like I said... Regardless of what happens, I'm happy to just have one. But it is kind of refreshing to see this new rejuvenated team and how they play. They're having fun out there, and I think they'll continue to get better during the season. But set up for a deep run, I don't think so. Um, Outside of the Cavs, not much to mention. Uh, You've seen Blake Griffin move to Detroit. Didn't think he would be happy in Detroit, but he has absolutely rejuvenated himself. He's having fun. Uh, You know, his intensity is back, and uh, he's just a beast right now. Other names: Dante Cunningham, Devin Harris, Tyler Zeller, some other guys on the move. But what the Cavs did is just is one for the ages. You know, nobody, nobody's seen this coming. But outside of that, not not a whole lot to talk about. Uh, let's get to my Philadelphia Eagles beat reporter uh, Scott Grayson coming up.
0: The offense are around him, and it worked in, in, in everybody's favor there in Philadelphia. And, you know, that's that's the thing I think that that they did really well was. They listened to Foles and identified what he can do well, what he likes to run, the kind of things he wants to do, and it made him more comfortable, made the team around him more comfortable, and everybody benefited. And I think it, it kind of laid a blueprint of how you can be successful if you lose a starting quarterback. you got to make sure you don't try to run the same offense that maybe is not geared quite as well for another guy as it is as it is you know your, your franchise or your starting quarterback.
2: And, you know, some questions are still there as far as the, they remain at the running back position. Uh, what do you see going forward as far as that with 32 year old LeGarrette Blunt? You know, you, you've got a plethora of running backs there. So, what can we see uh, with all those guys?
0: Yeah, well, yeah, you add Darren Sproles potentially back in the mix, too. They definitely have a boatload of running backs. For sure. Now, LeGarrett Blunt's contract is up. The question is, will they look to bring him back? You know, in my opinion, I thought Blunt was very good at the beginning of the season. He got flat in the middle of the season, almost too much, like maybe. He wore down a little bit. And then with the addition of Jay Ajayi, it allowed him to kind of rebuild himself. And against New England, he played an excellent game. Uh, certainly, you know, a chip on his shoulder going into that game the way he played too. But you look at Darren Sproles again. Here's a guy. Are they going to sign him back? Will they have him back? He wants to play again. He's getting up there. He's a he's a demon on, on punt returns. I mean, he's just lethal. But, you know, uh, Corey Clement really showed that he could be you know, a, a very serviceable and, and and very good back as a young guy this year. And then you've got Wendell Smallwood coming back healthy, a former West Virginia guy. And and it's it's just going to be interesting to see what they do there. There's definitely going to be a lot of competition. I do not think they will bring Garrett Blunt back. Uh, he's just another Ajayi. I think they'll look to do more with Corey Clement. Wendell Smallwood kind of fits in between the two guys as a kind of back that he is, if he can get in here and stay healthy and and perform. And then. You could have Darren Sproles or Kenyon Barner, probably one or other. So that's how I think the, the backfield will kind of shake out, uh, you know, in the spring.
2: Right, and it's not looking like they're wanting to be very, very active in the free agent market. So do you think guys like Smallwood has what it takes to be inserted in and, you know, try to stay healthy with all these nagging injuries that he's had? Do you think he has the capability of, of being in there?
0: I think he does, partly because this coaching staff likes to – you know, to me, it seems like they like to give second chances and things like that. Look, you know, the guy got hurt, and then he lost his spot because Corey Clement started playing lights out. Um, you know, but Smallwood came in this league with a lot of hype, with a lot of potential, and I think the Eagles are going to definitely look to see if they can get that out of him. He's still in his rookie contract. They're not having to pay him a lot of money, so they're definitely going to look at, at seeing what they can get out of him uh, in the spring as he gets healthy and you know, if he can fit into what they try to do in the fall. Uh, he's got the skill set. And, um, you know, I talk to him occasionally throughout the season. He's got the mentality that he wants to go out there and prove that he can play, that he can do this. But he knows he's got to stay healthy, and it's been a challenge for him. So that's going to be the number one thing he's got to overcome.
2: With Frank Reich's departure, uh, who replaces him as an offensive coordinator? Do you, do you promote someone like Deuce Staley or do you go out and find somebody?
0: No, Deuce is the guy I think will ultimately get it. Uh, Doug Peterson does like to promote from within. Uh, And and so I would expect that it will be either him or the wide receivers coach might grow. Those two guys seem to be the two that are, you know, kind of bubbling up to the top uh, as the names to watch. Um, But, uh, you know, Deuce has been here a long time. He did a great job handling the running backs uh, this past season uh, and in the past since he's been here. He was a player here in Philadelphia. So I I think that to me, Deuce Staley is likely going to be the offensive coordinator. And we'll see what they fill in between, you know, behind him.
2: All right, well, again, congratulations on the Super Bowl win. I really appreciate you calling in today, Scott. Yeah, no problem, Josh. All right, sure I look me. forward to talking to you soon. All right, you got it. All right, thanks. All right, that'll do it for the Sports Nerds Podcast Episode 6. I want to apologize for the little technical difficulty we had there while talking to Scott Grayson. Uh, you know, we won't let that happen again, but just to take you back, kind of pick that conversation up after the first question I asked him. But that question was what the Eagles do with Nick Foles. Uh, do you keep Nick Foles – next year do you insert him as a starter do you keep him on the bench or do you let him go where he can get paid and start somewhere else uh and you know he said that Carson Wentz is the man of that organization and even if Nick Foles has the Eagles sitting at 5-0 6-0 oh, oh, whenever Wentz comes back that Wentz will be inserted right back in as a starter Foles knows that and and everybody else in an organization so just want to take you back and and let you know what we discussed there before we picked it up due to that technical difficulty and like I said won't let it happen again also, want to thank my guest Harry Piseris, uh the PittsburghSports.com contributor. Uh, the guy knows his stuff about pit, a- pit athletics, and he's uh, going to be my go-to guy and my pit insider. So we'll we'll be talking to him again soon. Uh, want to you know want to announce that uh, the podcast is also on iHeartRadio. Uh, you know, absolutely happy to have that on there. Obviously, that you know that's that's something that you work for. So you know, really really happy with that. Also on iTunes and SoundCloud, Podbean, Stitcher. Sports Nerds Podcast is anywhere you can imagine. Uh, we try to put it out there everywhere. I appreciate everybody's support for listening, and I hope you continue to listen and join us next week for episode seven. And I'll announce, just like always in the coming days, who that guest will be. So, again, thank you so much for listening, and I hope to see you next week.